0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid to large size companies like yours to help manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let The Hartford help protect what's unique
2: about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, May 10th in Hong Kong, Tuesday, May 9th in New York. And coming up today... Markets track
3: efforts to break a stalemate over the U.S. debt ceiling.
2: U.S. equities slump ahead of a critical inflation report that may provide clues on the Fed's rate hiking path.
3: South Korean e-commerce giant Kupong reports sales above estimates after capital spending pays off. Debt ceiling meeting ends without much movement. Senate Minority
4: Leader Mitch McConnell says there will be no default. Donald Trump held liable for sexual assault. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple,
3: Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Doug Krisner.
2: And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Well, Lisa Shalit, the chief investment officer at Morgan Stanley Wealth Management, says that future spending cuts resulting from any debt ceiling deal could threaten economic growth. Here's Shalit speaking earlier with Bloomberg.
0: It matters, uh, you know, to forward looking uh, expectations of growth uh, in terms of what Uh, is cut. Those things have been a support to growth. Uh, and if we need to, you know, take that out of the forward forecasts, uh, that is going to dampen, uh, economic growth
2: shall said possible rollbacks related to the inflation reduction act and various infrastructure projects could dampen growth as mentioned president biden met today with house speaker kevin mccarthy and other congressional leaders on the debt ceiling mccarthy said he is not seeing any movement on the negotiations treasury secretary janet yellen has warned lawmakers that the treasury's ability to stay within the debt limit could be exhausted as soon as june 1st
3: there was some fed speak today we heard from the head of the new york fed John Williams. He says that he is monitoring how the strains across the banking sector will affect the American economy. And at the same time, he left the door open to leave interest rates on hold next month. Here's Williams speaking at an event with the Economic Club of New York. I will be particularly focused on assessing the evolution of credit conditions and their effects on the outlook for growth, employment and inflation. We're going to get a lot of data between now and our, our June meeting. That is New York Fed President John Williams. He went on to say a rate cut is not his baseline forecast this year. You'll remember last week the Fed hiked its key rate by a quarter point, bringing the target on that benchmark rate above 5%. It was back then that Fed Chair Jay Powell hinted maybe this could be the last increase for the time being. He did, though, leave the door open for the Fed to do more if inflation remains high. Remember, that CPI data is due tomorrow morning.
2: Brian? Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to- to talk about here let's take a closer look a preview from bloomberg's michael mckee Higher interest rates have helped cut inflation in half over the past nine months. Now, economists say, for the hard part, rents and rising wages for hard to find employees, particularly in the service sector, will break progress towards the Fed's goal of an average 2% inflation rate. The central bankers think progress will continue if slowly they will leave rates high to ensure that happens and not worry too much about month to month inflation data unless it unexpectedly jumps. The question is, what will investors think? Will they have of the patience of Fed officials or will we see a big rate reaction to the inflation data? Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
3: After the bell, we heard from Rivian Automotive. The company reported a narrower than expected loss to begin the year. The company says it lost $1.25 per share on an adjusted basis in Q1. Now, the street was looking for a loss of $1.56. Revenue for the period, $661 million. That was pretty much in line with street expectations. The electric truck maker has been working to cut cost and ramp up production. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow.
1: Simplifying everything, going back to basics is working. Production drops sequentially, quarter on quarter, but that was only in the van that Rivian builds for Amazon. The consumer car, they ramp production, and now they're just being
0: disciplined.
3: Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow there. Rivian also reaffirmed plans to build 50,000 vehicles this year. You might recall last year, the company fell just shy of its own target at 25,000 EVs. At the same time, Rivian said it's now targeting profitability in 2024. Shares in Rivian up 5% in late U.S. trading.
2: And let's take a closer look at some earnings here in Asia. South Korea's e-commerce giant, Kupong has reported sales that beat estimates in the March quarter. We get the story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong.
0: Revenue rose 13% to $5.8 billion, exceeding the estimate of $5.6 billion. Operating profits was more than $106 million. An active customer grew 5% to $19 million. That's as the company's core delivery business grew exponentially during the pandemic. Coupang also managed to sustain growth in the post-pandemic period. That's in part thanks to its fast delivery service, known for promises of dawn Delivery. Kupang is reportedly looking to expand market share. Among new initiatives, it's expanding its delivery business in Taiwan. In Hong Kong, i Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Day, Brick Asia,
2: And I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. Um, I thought Lisa Shallot made some interesting comments there. Uh, and, and basically what it comes down to is, from a market point of view, uh, if you do get uh, an agreement, and that agreement means a cut in spending, that may not be good for markets because it could hurt growth. And if there's no agreement, well, the consequences of that are almost unmentionable. Yeah, it's interesting to
3: try to figure out how much the market discounted the economic jolt from the Inflation Reduction Act. And if some of that now is in doubt, uh, perhaps you're right, Brian, that there is a real cloud when it comes to growth. And and speaking of growth concerns, we can talk a little bit now about uh, the disappointing read on Chinese imports last night. That was a pretty dramatic uh, number, negative, what, 8%? Uh, the street was looking, nearly, uh, street was looking yeah. for, something only two-tenths of 1% in terms of contraction.
2: Yeah, it really speaks to a stumbling in domestic consumption, uh, and we'll have to see whether that picks up. We have been saying all along that with the recovery there that uh, uh, people, people on the street, they're, they're cautious because they were locked in for a long time. They don't have the same sort of support system and government transfer payments that we do in the United States, and so, you know, it's not easy to, to let go and to do that revenge spend. They have been doing it to a certain degree in restaurants and, and bars and that sort of thing, but it's It's on a lower level. It hasn't fed through yet into the bigger ticket items. And among them, uh, we just saw that expressed in the exports down 7.9 percent. Even the export number was pretty good at 8.5 percent. But it had such a low base of comparison when there was very little business activity at all last year during this period because of the lockdowns in Shanghai.
3: And if you look at what the market is telling us right now, as measured by the uh, NASDAQ, Golden Dragon, China Index, the ADRs that trade here in the States, we are down 5.7% so far this year, so the market's not
2: expecting a lot. And I got a great line for you. It might even get the great Doug Kristner to chuckle a little bit, and here it is, because this is also weighing on, on markets. With Europe and China, we might have hit the point Where the rubber meets the Belt and Road. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's pretty stark what we heard from two leaders in Europe overnight. Uh, Italy is signaling at least to the U.S. It's not confirmed yet, but it's signaling it intends to pull out of the Belt and Road initiative. So that's a pretty big deal. The only country in the G7 that was taking part. And then you had Olaf Scholz, the German chancellor, really talking about China as a rival now and not a partner.
3: Yeah, and also uh, Germany's foreign minister who is kind of applying a little bit of pressure, you would think, on Beijing to do more to try to bring some type of end to a war in Ukraine.
2: Yep, and we know that that doesn't appear to be happening anytime soon. But now it's time for global news. And speaking of the debt ceiling discussions, well, the summit there has apparently ended with no agreement. And no real movement. Ed Baxter has the story from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, Brian,
4: and a lot more rhetoric for sure. We will be sharing that as the program goes on. But while we're able to grab uh, Joe Matthew, the uh, host of Sound On and Balance of Power, we're going to tie him up and and get some analysis here. So surprise, no surprise, Joe. They came out with swords drawn, didn't they? Yeah, I'm not thinking that
1: wasn't a lot of fun in there. Uh, I didn't see any new movement. Uh, Speaker McCarthy told reporters uh, in the stakeout position there in the driveway, and of course, Democrats came out. They didn't seem very happy either. Chuck Schumer, Hakeem Jeffries, everyone speaking very passionately about how nothing happened. The the meeting lasted about an hour, uh, which is not a great sign, but this is clearly an opportunity for everyone to kind of start from scratch with their positions. We know that the staff will, on both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue, will keep talking tonight, and they did set another meeting for Friday. So that's Very important here. If that hadn't been done, if we didn't know where this was going, this would feel a lot uh, less uh, comforting than even this does now. And it seems like everyone was really positioning themselves ahead of what would be the second meeting.
4: Yeah, and uh, this, we expected they would come out and be preaching to the base, which apparently did happen. But Chuck Schumer did say that the budget appropriations process could begin tonight. That is a good sign, is it not? Well, I suppose that's
1: true. It's just that they can't even agree on top lines, never mind uh, on on the actual nuts and bolts of a budget. I mean, we really don't have a budget yet. There's one the president dropped. The bill that Speaker McCarthy had passed uh, in the House a couple of weeks ago addresses the debt ceiling. It addresses top line issues, but doesn't kind of go through the budgeting process of, of drilling down on what each department in the government needs. Uh, there are a lot of concerns, though, about the calendar tonight. You know, Knowing that going into this meeting, both sides, McCarthy and the White House, said they are not entertaining the idea of a short-term solution, either suspending or extending the debt ceiling for instance till the end of September to coincide with the fiscal year. And a lot of people had suggested that this was in fact what was going to happen. Ahead of this meeting, both sides say it's not even on the table. That's, that's a little bit concerning knowing that we have so little time to figure this out between now and and as early as the first of june i'll be very curious to see what the market reaction is tomorrow morning after all of
4: this now the leaders are saying there'll be no default i mean i mean uh, mitch mcconnell came up and that's the first thing that he said uh Mm -hmm. coming out of how does this square with what janet yellen is saying out of cash the beginning of june well, look, he's saying that because he thinks that they, in fact, can cut
1: a deal between now and then. Uh, the the thing that we were lacking, though, was really a sense of optimism. When Kevin McCarthy came out of uh, the meeting at the beginning of February with President Biden, he said, look, we don't agree on a lot of things, but we have we know now that we can find common ground. That spirit was really not in his remarks or the answers to questions from reporters today. It was, you know what? We don't like anything that we just heard, and we are not on the same page. That's going to start trickling into the stock market at some point soon. It's not just Janet Yellen. The bipartisan policy center, which we follow closely on matters like this in Washington, they crunch numbers on their own, and they agree that this is likely mid-June, as early as the first of June, and it really does not give the the, the folks at the table here, whether it's the president or the speaker, much time to figure this out. Out.
4: Yeah, what they got right today was a time period about two weeks. That's Joe, right. thank you so much. Joe Matthew, the host of Sound On and Balance of Power here on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Global news powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter and this is
0: Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Let's
2: get to our guest, Dana Peterson, Chief Economist at the Conference Board, will join us, as does Rashad Salamat. With me, Brian Curtis, here in our Hong Kong studios. So we, we made the comment, Dana, about whether or not there is an agreement on, uh, on these debt ceiling negotiations, that, that that might mean a cut in spending. I'm sure you've looked at this. Uh, how bad might that be for markets and growth in the economy?
0: Well, I mean, the cuts in spending would likely be over a period of five to 10 years. So it wouldn't necessarily be uh, an immediate effect. But certainly markets are going to pull that forward and say, well, this is a negative for the economy. But we have to remember, debt is really outsized in the U.S. It's just under 100 percent. It's going to 200 percent of GDP in 30 years. And so that's not really the scenario that's good for the economy. So there needs to be some addressing with respect to some uh, fiscal discipline here. Will it be painful? Yes. But it's necessary in order to make sure that the U.S. remains a competitive economy, um, not only in financial markets, but globally.
4: Uh, Data, but, you know, the thing is, uh, being the, uh, we're having the world's reserve currency, you can print as much of it as you like, so it, it doesn't really affect the U.S. as badly as it does other countries.
0: Um, I, I think the that- the U.S. doesn't go around printing money necessarily in the way that you might think that there's this machine that's pumping out cash. But the thing is that the U.S. prides um, itself on paying its debts, right, and also uh, fiscal uh, responsibility. And that, that certainly comes under question every time you have a debt ceiling debacle. And certainly there are concerns that, debt as a share of GDP is going to get so out of control, it's going to erode the government's ability to invest in things that actually do produce growth, or if there is some other crisis or big recession, there'll be no fiscal space. It also crowds out private investment, because if you're a private investor, would you prefer to spend or invest in uh you know high yield corporate bond with a lot of uncertainty or something that might be perceived as a safe haven which is US treasuries and if all that's called into doubt then we certainly have a big crisis on our hands not only in the US but certainly for global financial markets
2: Also, in in listening to trader comments, uh, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the complacency in markets with this debt ceiling discussion, uh, because we've got another three weeks to go before we get to the deadline period. So this is probably going to play out over the next three weeks. But we do have the CPI report coming tomorrow. And I was about to say that in kind of listening to what traders have been saying and kind of testing the waters generally, it doesn't seem like uh, the looming CPI is causing a lot of angst in markets. Why?
0: Well, I guess because people are just waiting for it to come out and it's either going to show material improvement or not much at all. Right. So we have seen headline CPI come off and that's because gasoline prices have gone negative. But it's that core measure, excluding food and energy where you still have a lot of the pricing pressures pressures from housing, uh, which reflects, uh, which is really rent, which reflected what happened 18 months ago in the housing market, and also very strong demand for services and insufficient supply of workers causing labor shortages and higher wages that are getting passed on to the consumer. So this is the same story that we've been dealing with. So I think markets would probably only be really surprised if we saw material improvement in that core measure that might cause the Fed to take a look.
4: Uh, Dana, you know, how are you at the moment assessing what's happening with the uh, American consumer? We used to always refer to the U.S. consumers being indefatigable. Is that consumer still that?
0: Well, we do actually ask consumers what they're thinking, and in the short run, they continue to say that they are doing okay. That's because most consumers are working and/or they saw a modest increase in their wages. But when it comes to the six-month outlook, consumers continually say over the last year that they expect a recession on the way, and they're becoming more concerned about the business outlook, their own personal finances, and certainly the jobs outlook. And so consumers have already started pulling back on buying durable goods, and that's because uh, you have higher interest rates. It costs more to finance that car, that furniture, or that house. But consumers are also saying they're cutting back on highly discretionary services and really yeah. just focusing on the basics.
2: But, Dana, if people don't lose their jobs, can you really see that dramatic of a pullback in spending?
0: Well, we've already seen spending pull back for durable goods. And so the last piece of the puzzle really is services. And if people think that they might lose their job, even though we... They probably won't. But if they believe that, then they will pull back on spending. And I think that's really the last shoe to drop in terms of softening the economy to help bring down inflation.
2: Right. Um, So we just came through an earnings season that held up pretty well, even with the cutback in spending, the cutback in durable goods that you mentioned. Uh, Is is that something that can continue? Uh, And would they just shift to, you know, smaller items like we talked about what we're seeing in China?
0: Well, I think when you look at earnings, it really depends upon the industry. Certainly, the tech sector is not doing very well. Uh, we're hearing uh, ominous soundings from transportation and warehousing because people are not purchasing as many goods as they were purchasing, and so that means there's less to ship. Uh, we're also seeing uh, angst in the real estate market, certainly as housing activity has fallen off, um, consistent with higher interest rates. So we do think consumers are saying to us that they're going to shift to cheaper uh, forms of services. Instead of going to the movies, they're going to stream. So we do think that's going to happen.
2: Okay, Dana, excellent stuff. Always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks very much for joining us. Dana Peterson, chief economist at the conference board. And if anybody knows consumers, it's the conference board.
0: The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's in Einstein with Salesforce.